Established in 1792, W.H. Smith is a leading retailer of travel convenience and special retail for the world's traveling customer. The W.H. Smith Group of companies, including its most recent U.S. acquisitions of retailer Marshall Retail Group and leading electronics retailer in motion entertainment, currently operates over 1,600 locations in over 30 countries worldwide. This, of course, includes over 1,000 travel locations in over 100 airports, railway stations, highway service centers, hospitals, and other high-volume environments. Learn how WH Smith can elevate your airport retail program by going to whsmith.co.uk. Welcome to the Airport Experience News Podcast. I'm Ramon Lowe, the publisher of AXN and the host of this pod. I am recording and posting this on the eve of Thanksgiving, so... I'd like to first say thank you to all of you who have listened to this podcast from day one. Our listenership has grown tremendously, and I'm really excited for all the upcoming guests we have scheduled. Tune in. So please subscribe if you haven't already, and please pass along our podcast to friends, family, coworkers, really anyone. We're on iTunes, Spotify, Podbean, and Stitcher. And before I forget, happy holidays. Well, this is episode 77, and of course, the continuation of our month-long series focusing on small businesses in airports. Here, I chat with Randy Hazleton of H&H Hospitality. Now, there aren't many new entrants to our space that I can think of, but Randy and H&H are definitely one. Here, we talk about his background, his restaurant experience, uh, what brought him into airports, and more. This was a great conversation that I think uh, all of you will truly enjoy. So, here is my chat with Randy Hazelton. So, I'm here with Randy Hazelton, the CEO and co-owner of Atlanta, Georgia-based H&H Hospitality. Randy, thanks for taking the time to speak with me. Ramon, thanks so much for having me. Excited to be here. Um, just a little bit of background. I know you and I spoke about this maybe, gosh, I want to say like maybe a month ago or so. Um, you know, the, for the month of November, it's Small Business Month. And last year, I featured a number of small business owners, small ACDE business owners in our space. It was it went off really, really well and would love to do it again. And thus, uh, you and I came together. And I think your situation, as is the situation, as are the situations of all others, very differently. And I like that because everyone has kind of a different story. There's some commonalities, you know, small business owners, this in, in terms of the story, but there's always that one little nugget or a little bit of, um, you know, different flavor to each. So before we get into all that, I really want to talk about your work prior to airports and how you feel that kind of prepped you for our environment. Yeah. Um, so I think the short of it is, I don't know that the work that I did prior to airports prepped me very much uh, at all. <laughs> enough. So, so I, I went to college and studied um, management information systems in my undergrad um, at Hampton University. And I stayed and got an MBA in microeconomics. Um, so no, okay. no food or hospitality anywhere in the curriculum. Uh, I went on to work for corporate America. I worked for a couple of big Fortune 100 companies. Um, the first was General Mills, where I did a lot of analytical work. Um, used got Nielsen data and studied consumer trends, and then made recommendations to big retailers like Publix and um, Bruno's and 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 uh, other big grocers. Uh, and then did that. Um, went on to do that on a national level as an account manager. Uh, I was then recruited, and I worked there with General Mills in Philadelphia. I was then recruited 
down to Atlanta or the, the Atlanta area is actually a suburb outside of Atlanta um, by a company by the name of Kimberly Clark. They have, you know, big consumer packaged goods company doing the same kind of work um, on a national uh, account manager level, which is we're taking all these insights, all this data and helping them better program and position their products uh, at retail outlets. Um, and I did, I did between the two companies, I did corporate America for about four years, I want to say. Um, learned a lot, but found that it wasn't a fit for me, um, kind of for what I, I dreamed for myself. And I think for my general personality, I kind of like autonomy. Um, you know, I'd like to kind of be able to create and build and, and chart, you know, a path as I see fit. Um, and that proved to just not be the grounds to do that. So um, I, without a plan, quit. Um, and the people <laughs> were great. I just, you know, it just wasn't, they said it just kind of wasn't a fit for me. And, and it started to become apparent to me that to spend the amount of time that one spends working, I think it's worth it to like it. Um, yes. You know, life is too short. And I just felt like I was a bit out of alignment with that. So I quit, not knowing what I was going to do next, but knowing that I didn't want to do that. And again, the people there were great. It was just just not a fit for me. So I um I left and I was 25, 26 years old. Um, and I, I was, you know, I, I did have the habit of saving pretty aggressively. And in addition to that, while in corporate America, I was investing in in real estate. Um, the real estate market was was pretty high. This was 2004, five, six before the crash. So I had been able to to kind of take advantage of, of the real estate market and also squirrel some more money away uh, while I was kind of transact buying and selling on that side. Um, at the same time, I had a friend that I went to school with uh, that was working at Goldman Sachs and 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 felt the same um, antsiness, um, just kind of wanting to to do something more of his own making. Um, so he at the same time left his job um, on Wall Street to come and hang out with me in Atlanta. There's no <laughs> plan. We got two 20-somethings hanging out. You know, we got for, for mid, you know, for a mid-20-year-old, we thought we were doing okay. We had a little bit of cushion. So um, no job, no plan, you know, a little bit of money to kind of hang out. And that's what we did for for a few months until we kind of got a little bit smarter and said, hey, we got to figure out something to do with our lives because it's this cannot last forever. Mm-hmm. So um, in the hanging out, um, really, and, and it's not, there's it, really not a whole lot, there's not a whole lot of poetry about it, but we started to observe restaurants as we were just kind of out, um, you know, just kind of out enjoying the city of Atlanta. So and, restaurants on the street side, that is, right? Yeah, no. restaurants on the street side, right. But on, from, the, from a consumer standpoint, um, and said, you know what, I think that we can do this. Talking about, I remember the restaurant we were sitting in, one downtown in Atlanta, um, and we kind of looked around, and I said, you know what, I think we can do this. And him, uh, <laughs> you know, again, think it, you know, 25 and full of, you know, bullishness and everything, said, you know what, well, let's, let's give it a shot. And there was really nothing more poetic <laughs> to it than that. We had not worked in restaurants prior to. We had not <laughs> studied hospitality in college. We were, you know, 
without jobs and hanging out and just made a decision to go into restaurants. Now, for the listeners out there, I would not um, recommend that approach. <laughs> I would recommend doing homework and knowing what you're getting into. But nonetheless, that's what we did. And um, we pulled our money and we opened up a restaurant in downtown Atlanta in a neighborhood that um, was starting to kind of neglect it over time from an investment standpoint, but beginning to turn the corner and, or at least gin up investment interest mm-hmm. um, and kind of transition more to, you know, a, a retail corridor. So, 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 so Randy, hold on, hold on yeah. a second. I got to back up a little bit. So no, getting to know you more and more and hearing your story just now, you seem to be yeah. someone who likes to plan very buttoned up. You're very, you dealt with a lot of data, right? And, but this yeah. seems almost out of character for you then, right? I mean, would you say that? I mean, honestly. Yeah, no, it was certainly out of character. I mean, I, I, and I would not, I have not done that since. The reason <laughs> why I thought I could do it then, frankly, is that I didn't know any better. Mm-hmm. I didn't, you know, I didn't, I didn't do the, the homework. I, I thought the work needed going into it was a lot less than it proved to actually be. Mm-hmm. And so um, what I thought would be easy just proved to not be, but, but I had that perspective because I didn't have any other, I didn't have any reference point, mm-hmm. but you're absolutely right. I would not do that today, nor would I recommend it because in being, um, you know, kind of blase in entering like that, you make a lot of mistakes and mistakes cost money. Um, so I've learned that lesson. I got that education from that process. Um, but back then, you know, but at the time I thought, you know, that I was, I was using the perspective that I had. And so how long were you operating this restaurant before? I, I mean, my next question is really about your expansion to airports, but how long did you operate yeah. this restaurant for? So we operated this restaurant for five years. So we broke ground on the construction. It was a totally empty space. It was cinder block walls, red clay floor, um, had no infrastructure. We, we put in all new plumbing, HVAC, electric, the whole deal. It had been empty since the 40s. It was an old grocery store. Um, we broke ground on on renovating in the summer of two, late summer 2007, and we opened uh, January 8th, 2008, um, which was maybe two days after they announced we were going into the biggest recession since the Great Depression, by the way. So <laughs> our timing was impeccable, but um, but we opened it then and worked and worked in there every day for five years until the, um, until the airport concessions opportunity was put on the radar. So essentially, you like it exciting. <laughs> you, yeah. you like to have all yeah. these challenges before you and like, you know what, let's, let's jump into something <laughs> we have no experience and let's, let's, let's basically build a business from the ground up. And oh, by the way, the backdrop is, you know, the greatest recession since the depression, like you were saying, the 20, 1920s. <laughs> yeah, I said, you know, let's let's figure out a way to make this as absolutely challenging and unlikely as possible, and then do that. <laughs> so, you know what? It's it, you came out on the so far. You're coming out pretty good on the other side, right? I mean, like, um, yeah, iron sharp, sharpens iron, or whatever they say. So, yeah, I want to. I want to. I guess you probably want to think of it as you came out better from all these experiences. Oh, for sure. I mean. The most, you know, the most valuable education I have gotten to date was the first couple of years in that 
restaurant figuring that out. That's where we were really made. Um, you know, we, it was trial by fire. And again, I can't stress, I mean, do your diligence, talk to people, um, get in the business for yourself. Um, and, and it'll lighten kind of the, the burden and the challenge on the other side. But I will say it forced us to figure out and understand every aspect of restaurants and restaurant operations. Because it was us. And there was no, you know, this was our money. Neither one of us come from, you know, we, we weren't born into families that had, you know, trusts, funds, and all. I mean, we, we had the money that we had built. And we put that we had grown and that we had saved and grown. And, and on top of that, we flicked our last nickel into that restaurant, both of us. So th- there was no option to fail. Um, so we, we, it forced us to get in there and really understand the business from a granular level. And that was the value that was created in kind of being so um, cavalier in the way that we went in. <laughs> um Listen, not to put you on the spot, but any cool stories yep. or fun stories that you can fondly look back now? I mean, but might not have been so funny then, but I mean, you can still look back on that you've learned from? Oh, my goodness. Everything. I mean, <laughs> anything that could happen. I'm sure anything that could happen in a restaurant, um, we, I, I promise you, we've, ex- we, we've experienced. I mean, from, you know, hiring folks and not really having um, kind of the, the, the talent you know, the, the talent scouting prowess, you know, knowing what a good employee is versus not, and then dealing with these employees as things happen, as there's theft or there's inappropriate behavior. Um, we've been through that. We were in a transitioning neighborhood. So, you know, there are instances we could have a full dinner, a, a full um, restaurant of diners, and then we'll have, you know, homeless folks come in and, and, and yell and scream and have to, you know, deal with that um we you know we we have we have been through it so yeah i could i could take up the rest of this podcast talking about some of the crazy stuff that happened but i'm going to spare you that well that, that's for the follow-up that's for the follow-up there you go <laughs> so as if it couldn't get any more exciting you decided to expand into airports you know what was that like well let me let me back up a little bit so we 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 opened this restaurant we frankly didn't know what we were doing we had, best, we had invested enough to make it really compelling for people. People wanted to come check out what was going on in this neighborhood called Old Fourth Ward in Atlanta. And who are these guys that put all, you know, that put a, a fair amount of investment um, into building something. So we had customers, um, but the operation was not great because we didn't, we were not yet operated at that point. Um, so we learned over... We learned over time, and by the time that we, frankly, by the time that we had kind of gotten our arms around how to operate well, we, we had turned some folks off. Um, and so what we decided to do was build a rooftop deck on this restaurant, reinvest in the restaurant, which would gin up energy and, um, and, and, our, and our kind of popularity again, mm-hmm. and then kind of create a new impression. And we did that, and it was awesome. I mean, and we were operating well. We were making money at that time. We had a great team. And our reputation started to kind of get, started to build around the city. Uh, and it was also located downtown on a, on a corridor that got a lot of traffic, a lot of cross traffic from everyone from, you know, business owners to elected officials to um, people that are deeply entrenched in the community. So we had a, a, a very cross-section of customers at this point that one really liked 
what we were offering. And then two, really appreciated me and my business partner, Kevin Holt, being in there every day, greeting customers, being active in the community, and that ultimately wanted to support. So um, these folks started to talk to us about airport concessions. And they'd ask, hey, have you ever heard of, you know, you're with airport restaurants? You heard of airport concessions? Have you ever looked into it? And we didn't know anything about that. Um, and, and so <laughs> That's the, the, the story starting had, to found, sound uh, pretty familiar, but go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> right. Didn't know anything about it. Um, but the more they talked about it, the more interesting it sounded. And then we started looking into it and doing our research and learning about the space and the dynamics and, um, you know, kind of the terms. And, and it sounded really, really attractive to us. And so um, we started pivoting towards um, Hartsfield Jackson at Atlanta International Airport, who coincidentally had leases that were up for expiration. Uh, and then at that time, we learned about DBEs and, and, and getting certified um, so that we could compete in Atlanta. Now, what I think made us a bit unique and attractive was that, one, we, we had now been doing this for five years. Um, we were in there every day, um, and we had built a reputation that, that people respected. Um, but also, getting into the business at the time that the economy was going into tank and still surviving, you know, in, the, in our business still being intact, Yep. Um, created a competitive advantage because a lot of folks that entered the restaurant space during that time didn't make it because the economy was terrible. So we had, you know, we had a good reputation. We had a thriving restaurant despite the economy. And then as a DBE, being a new entrant that's really of the Atlanta community was also um, an attractive story, it seemed, to the primes and um, decision makers in the market. And so all those things combined just created kind of a, a, a you know fertile ground for us to proceed with moving forward toward concessions opportunities and that's what we did. We will return to this episode in just a minute. WH Smith is a global retailer operating in some of the world's largest airports. Elevate your retail program and customer experience by visiting whsmith.co.uk for more information. Now back to the episode. So what what made it attractive? You you said that like several folks had approached you and said, "Hey, you should look at this airport thing because you know it might be yeah. of interest to you guys." But what what were your initial impressions uh, of that space? Yeah, so initial impression was that um, one, wow, Atlanta is the busiest airport <laughs> on the planet. I bet there are a lot of people that eat food in that airport. So I'm thinking about traffic and just the amount of customers versus street side where we had to build up this brand in a transitioning neighborhood that hadn't seen that kind of investment. We had to market, we had to promote. Um, or in airports, you have that built-in captive audience. So, you know, from where we were coming from, that was very attractive to us. Uh, and then two, just the velocity of transactions in an airport environment versus a street side um, was very attractive to us. And then the term, knowing that you have a fixed amount of life, um, is 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 something is that that is very rare in the restaurant space. I mean, you you don't, you know, you're there as long as people are there to support you. Sure. Uh, where in airports, okay, you get a 10 year lease or 13 year lease. Um, so long as you know planes are still coming in and out, you can depend on that volume over this amount of time. So building a business and forecasting against that. Um, was a, was a lot more attractive as well. 
So talk about um, your various partnerships, how they came about, what you learned from them, what maybe they learned from you. Again, you're, you, you and Kevin really built a presence and a reputation uh, on the scene in Atlanta. And I'm sure that carried right. over, but the moment they meet with you guys, it's like, okay, this is what they can, this is the value add of adding H&H. Yeah. Um, so the first partner we had was Homegrown Atlanta. It was a company that, that started, um, or that was headquartered in Atlanta, that began as a DBE and, and graduated um, and had long roots in the community here. And uh, as a matter of fact, one of the owners of the company was a frequent patron of our restaurant. <laughs> and that's, and so we got to know them, all, you know, organically um, and casually. Um, and so the more we got to know each other and also learn about what they had done, um, what they had built over time and how they did it, the more they became attracted to us. Uh, there were, uh, you know, other primes that we also talked to that, that, also were very interesting for, for various reasons, but I think that we had a higher comfort level just knowing that we were partnering with a company that had roots here and a reputation here in the city um, that, that was very well respected. So, um, so, so we got more serious around talking through how we partner and what was attractive to them, to answer your question about us is that, well, here, here's a couple of, of new young guys um, that are the real deal in the sense that they are genuine operators and built something from the ground and did it on their own um, that would enhance kind of the story of, around what we would like to do for Hartsfield and also put them on a platform to grow so that we can continue the legacy of the DV program, which is to, to create an advance um, opportunity, wealth creating opportunity for minority and, and women owned businesses. So they thought that we were, you know, squarely kind of in alignment with that original intent. Um, so I think we brought that integrity about, um, you know, the spirit of the partnership to the, to the program. But then also, I mean, we were and continue to be, I mean, we're, we're hungry, you know, so we, like I said, when you're thrown in the fire and there is, there, failure is not an option. Um, you, you, if, if you succeed, you succeed because you got in there and you got really good and you've learned how to, how to, um, how to operate. And I think that this was, this was a much bigger company and, and like a lot of big companies, um, you know, they, there are opportunities that can sometimes be missed because you're managing at such a higher level over such a broader portfolio. And I think that our, interest and ability to go in there and get into the weeds and detail and figure out how we can yet squeeze out a little bit better performance here, a little bit more margin there, um, you know, enhance the team here, I think was, was really attractive. So um, to answer your question, I, what, the value that we brought, I think one was that, you know, we were what this was, what this program is really all about and what I think a lot of municipalities want to see more of. And then two, um, we, we had the operational chops and understanding because we had done it to further optimize um, the business. So what were those conversations like? You're sitting down with uh, folks who are obviously interested in you um, and, and the Kevin. And that's great. You have all this operational experience on the street side, but you don't quite know this industry. You know, what, what were the conversations like? I, I should just kind of full stop. <laughs> yeah, you know, um, you can probably imagine from a couple of guys that got 
that thought they could run a restaurant, you know, like a Cadillac, though had never worked in a restaurant themselves. So it wasn't a lot that we thought that um, we couldn't figure out. So that was never a concern for us. But when pressed, you know, in our mind, we just kind of boiled it down to, at the end of the day, we're still running restaurants. We're still selling food and beverage. Um, that's what we do full-time, and that's what we've come to get good at. Um, we understand there are, there are certainly logistical differences and nuances in airport space versus street side. But, um, but to us, it's, it still comes down to the same fundamentals of good old-fashioned operating. And, and we were very confident and being able to, to deliver that. And I think that our, our track record at that point spoke to that. So that, that, wasn't, that wasn't an overarching concern in, in any of the conversations that we had, um, but it, it did come up. No. So can, can, is it easy to say, because I don't want you to have to give up your secret sauce or anything, but is it easy to say that like as you started those businesses and you were learning a multitude of things that you probably had no, almost no experience in that it all boils down to having really good people, right? I mean, you can learn how to make a, me, uh, you know, come up with a menu, you can learn logistics, et cetera, but it really does come down to having good people like that believe in your vision and passion um, to carry you forward. You, you got it. Absolutely. People are everything. Um, if you have good people coupled with excellent training, um, and then bolstered by strong systems, you, you got a you got a winning formula. I mean, you, you really do. And um, and so that's what we learned to focus on. Um, yeah, I, so long as you have a concept or a product that that you believe in, that the market wants, um, people, systems, and training um, shores up a lot of the rest of the need. Yeah, I always say I weigh passion and ability like you know someone who has the ability uh, and and mindset to work hard as much as skill because yeah. i could teach you the skill uh, but i can't absolutely. teach you how to work in that fashion uh, absolutely i'll take i'll take a really scrappy go-getter mm-hmm. over someone with long experience um any day because you're right i mean you can arm them with the know-how you can arm them with the kind of kind of functional understanding um but but yeah it's hard to it's hard to teach that that passion, that drive, that integrity. I mean, that's 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 rarer to come by. So I'll take that any day of the week. Excellent. So my next question for you, Randy, is: uh, Would love you've been in this industry now for a long enough time to really get a lay of the land, right? So mm-hmm. would love to give you. Would love for you to kind of just share your thoughts on the industry and how conducive it is for small businesses. You know, I've said this in very, in previous podcasts where, you know, there's been a lot of, uh, there've been a lot of acquisitions, some on the retail side, but you know, a couple of years ago on, on the food side as well. And mm-hmm. it, it's, it seems like there's, there's a thinning of the, of, of the small business group, or at least it's shifting, yeah. it's, it's shifting a little bit in favor and leaning towards some of the larger companies. Yeah. Um, no, I think I think I would generally agree with that. I think that that's that's pretty accurate. I think there are two um, there, there are there are two points at, at kind of a, a turbulence in my experience that a small business feels as they kind of enter and grow in this space. One is just entering in itself. Um, mm-hmm. You know, this, this industry tends to have um, a lot of favor for incumbency. So just kind of breaking in is tough. And that, and that, that makes sense. I mean, any, you know, folks that have been doing anything for a while are going to have, 
you know, generally more expertise, generally more resources, more relationships. So just kind of getting in is tough. And then if once you get in, accessing the capital to, to support and build the company is the second piece that makes it very difficult for small businesses. So I would say um, from a dynamic standpoint, you have that. And then if, if you get in, you get, you know, you kind of establish yourself as, as a, as a participant in the space and you have found some capital resources and then you begin to grow, you hit a point where, you know, in the DV space, we call it graduating, but when your company reaches um, a three-year rolling average of more than $55 million in revenue, where you then are, are, are labeled as a prime, which means, um, you know, you don't, you no longer qualify for DBE opportunity. You're competing against the primes. And these are, you know, oftentimes multi-billion dollar multinational companies. And you're at, you know, a little bit better than 55 million. Um, and at that point, you know, the choice is to either compete against the behemoths, which is going to take additional capital resources, which is still difficult um, because the amount of capital you need at that point to compete on that level, you know, we're not talking about building a store or two. Um, so, so, so you have that side of it, or um, you have oftentimes the option to be bought out, um, which tends to tends to be the trend more than not. Um, so, what I think is is that's rooted in is just the fact that it's really hard to compete against these companies, some of which you know are 100 years old and have you know billion dollar war chest. And you're just stepping out again as a company that's, that's a little bit over 55 million. So they become really attractive acquisition targets. And to the small business owner, um, that becomes a really attractive exit. Yeah. Um, yeah. Um, and there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, but I think I think you have those two kind of points of, of turbulence or disruption that make it, um, you know, that, that make for some difficulty in the space. No, I and listen, you're whether you or not you graduate from the ACDB program uh, is almost irrelevant, regardless if you do or you don't, because you're still, you're all of a sudden playing in a different weight division. And right. that's what I'm, that, I think that's what I was kind of getting at, you know, when you, when I was asking, you know, just surveying the landscape right now, you're, there aren't that yeah. many, at least off the top of my head in the last decade, folks that right. are in your situation have come in and said, you know, we want to make a go of this and actually be involved operators, not just, you know, just, just be partners and yeah. really make a go of this and grow. I can't think of any others. Not that there aren't any, I just can't think of any at the top of my head. Um, so yeah. understanding that and how the, the environment itself, the industry itself is just so difficult is it still conducive yeah. to small businesses? Then you lay on top of, you know, economic conditions, you know, if it's tariffs and, and uh, what, yeah. you know, a looming recession, that kind of thing. And then you, it's, it's just a, I guess, a multitude of things that make this, make you kind of think, all right, can I still grow and expand in this, in this space, considering all that's going kind of going on? Yeah. I mean, I, I think the, sh the short answer for me is that, yes, you can. Um, it's, but it's not easy. I mean, it's tough, but, but, but business is, business is tough. Um, yeah. You know, growing in general, growing and stretching it. I mean, that, that's always tough. Um, but I do think, I do think that you can, and there, as you mentioned, there are not a lot of examples, though there are some, but it, but it still largely comes down to, um, do you understand what the market wants, what the airport wants? Can you provide the product, the brand, the operational expertise to deliver 
to the customers, to the passengers, what the city and the airport wants to deliver to them. Can you make that argument? Can you make it compelling? Um, and then can you, can you access the capital resources to do that for that, toward that bid or, or toward those spaces? Um, and I think if you look at it, you know, as a, as a kind of a market by market um, perspective, then, then the answer is, is yes. Um, you know, but, but again, I think that depending on the appetite of the, of the owners and the postures of the owners around growth, you know, that's, that's what's going to be the driver as to whether they continue on to grow or not. But I do think it's possible. Okay. Well, it's funny because I, I do want to uh, applaud you guys for doing this because some of the companies that have maybe sprouted up and, 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 you know, now they're bidding and operating, et cetera, they usually have come from or have sprung from existing companies in this space. So it's not like they're completely foreign where you guys are completely foreign to the space. You have the hospitality background, you've run restaurants, but completely foreign to our, our side. Again, kudos to, to making a, you know, impact in relatively immediately, I guess, which is unheard of in our space. Yeah, no, I appreciate that. Um, I certainly appreciate that. Again, we still got a lot to learn. We're not experts by, of course. by any stretch. <laughs> of course. I mean, you know, we, we, we think we do some things pretty well. And we have some things that we can certainly continue to learn and get, get better at. Um, what I think, what keeps me driving toward doing this every day is that this, you know, the ACDBE program was put in place to give access to opportunities or access to um, minority and women-owned businesses to greater opportunities and provide a platform that they could continue to grow and build their business and, 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 and really create um, economic mobility for themselves and the folks coming behind them. I think, um, I think it's important that we continue to encourage and create um, lanes for new businesses that have operated outside of this space to enter in the space and do just that. That was the original intent of the program. So in my mind, we're just kind of living out what the point of it was. We think that's what it's here for. Um, And, and, you know, we're going to do what we can as, you know, as we grow, we can, if if we, um, you know, decide to graduate um, to make sure that we're reaching back to folks that were just like me trying to figure out, an opportunity and a way to make it work so they can build something meaningful for themselves, meaningful for themselves. Cause that, that, that is at the core of this, what this was set up and designed for. Let me, I, I'm surprised I didn't ask this question earlier, you know, coming in, you, you've obviously have great partners and you're spending time, more time now in our, in the space with various people. Did you, uh, how did you find the, the, the folks in this space in terms of, um, how should I phrase this? When I speak to uh, when I speak to people on the outside or people just emerging in this business, the one thing I always mm-hmm. get at is just, and I've discovered personally, is just how friendly and cooperative people are in this space. Whether you're working with them or against them, um, mostly obviously when you're mm-hmm. working with them, and yeah, you know, there's always that mentorship uh, component, whether directly or indirectly. They are giving you kind of like uh, tips on how to navigate this really complicated space. So, just from your own perspective, how have you found that? Um, because I know you you just mentioned you mentioned it yourself, you're doing your own mentoring or looking to do your own mentoring. Yeah, um, I mean, I think that we were a bit lucky. I think a lot of this for us is, I mean, 
really kind of happened serendipitously. Um, mm-hmm. You know, we, we became our restaurant that we opened on the street in Atlanta became a hub for a lot of, you know, business folks and decision makers around the city. Um, and as a result, uh, you know, we could, we could, we had access to conversations that others may or may not. And we didn't know that going into building out this restaurant, that's just what it turned into. So we could sit down with someone at a table and pick their brain about what they're doing. And they were, they were um, generally happy to do that um, because, you know, we were out there putting in the work and, 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 and we had an open door where people can come in and, 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 and kind of be a part of what we created. I, I just think we got, lucky in that. Um, generally speaking, I think just like anything else, um, you have to be active and, you know, you, you have to be networking. You have to be kind of spreading yourself around and, and, get, and, and kind of keeping tabs on, keeping a pulse on what's going on in the industry. I think just like any space, you have some folks that are extremely helpful that want to see you do well. And you have some folks that are more focused on you know, kind of what they have going on and, and, and not, you know, making much room for conversation outside of that. I mean, such is life. Um, but I think, I think, I think it's really incumbent upon the individual to figure out the difference and just lean on the, just lean on the folks and the, and the companies and, and um, discussions that can further, you know, further their, uh, further their growth in the space. Awesome. So Randy, my next, my, my last question for you, is uh, I, I kind of know what the answer is, and it's probably pretty simple. But would love for you to share what your plans are going forward and the future of H and H. So let's let's just say, like you know, four or five years down the road, what do you want this company of yours to look like? Um, so four or five years down the road, I would like to be, you know, I. I want to keep growing. I mean, I really like, we really like what we're doing. We really like the space. We're really enjoying working with people. Um, and so long as that continues to be the case, I want to keep doing it. Um, Cause one, going back to when I, you know, when I came into corporate America and just didn't enjoy it. Um, you know, I feel that I'm, I, I, it is not lost on me that, that I've found a space that I'm really enjoying and I'm grateful for that. And, and so again, as long as I continue to enjoy it, I'm going to keep doing it. Beyond that, I feel like I have a duty to, at, at the point that we get to scale, to reach back and continue to pull others into the space so that they can make a way for themselves. That is, you know, what underlies a lot of my passion for this is that it's unique that we have this access point into an industry that has tremendous upside that continues to grow that has real favorable overall um, business and economic conditions and I think that um, we have to continue to shepherd others into that and so that's what I want to do I want to be a, you know a much bigger company that is yes has all the exciting brands and and has some great stores and experiences real estate out there but even more than that um, can't, has a story of being a springboard for others to make away from themselves. Oh, excellent. Well, you know, this has been a great conversation. Uh, Randy, thanks for taking time to speak with me. Absolutely, Ramon. Thank you. I really enjoyed the exchange. I really appreciate you having me on.